Welcome to the SCV Birth Center podcast. I am Renee, the midwife, here to help you through the roller coaster of pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this next episode. If you have any questions or topic ideas, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook at m.me backslash SCV Birth Center. Let's dive in. Monday. Welcome to the summer. Um, okay, so I had a request to talk about pelvic floor, um, the perineum, which is that band of muscle that is between the, the vagina and the anus. And it's the band of muscle that stretches when babies are getting pushed out. So uh, I had a request to chat about how do we protect, so episiotomies are when we cut um, that muscle, and I'm going to show you a picture of the muscle, or one of the muscles, or some of the muscles, right? It's when you, the cut is made when you're pushing out a baby, and right before the baby comes out. So this is the vagina. Remember we showed that diagram of dilation, and everyone was sort of that, that wooden, beautiful dilation chart, and everybody was like, ah, oh my god, I can't believe my vagina does that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, that was the cervix, remember? But now we're going to talk about just the vaginal opening. So you have the labia, and then the labia open, and then the head comes through. And this muscle from this is the vagina, and this is the baby coming through, the muscle at the bottom of the vagina is the perineum. All of this musculature between the vagina and the anus is the perineum. So there's a term called episiotomy, and that's when a provider will take some sharp scissors and cut the muscle there to make this vaginal opening bigger so that the baby can come out. And there's a specific time when that episiotomy would be cut, and it's when the baby is super duper, the baby has come underneath the pubic bone, and, oh, my pelvis isn't in here. The baby's come under the pubic bone, and is staying there. So a lot of people that have seen a woman or a person having a baby, and they say, oh my gosh, I'm, I see the head, the baby's almost here, I see the head, I see the head. Well, what happens first is we, um, this is the mother's pelvis, right? This is the pubic bone, and this is the baby's head. And so, and this is the vagina, and the opening. So what we see when we begin pushing, right? The baby comes all the way through the pelvis, all the way down, and the biggest part of pushing is trying to get that baby's head under the pubic bone, right? And this is the head. So you'll often see the head come down and it will come out a little bit of the, of the labia. You'll see it, push, 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 you see it, then you stop pushing and the baby goes all the way back up again. And it doesn't go all the way back up, but it certainly goes back because it hasn't come all the way under the pubic bone yet. So you'll start to see the head. That is not when an episiotomy is cut. And it doesn't mean just because you can see the head that the baby's close to coming out. You could see this head for a couple of hours, right? As it slowly takes one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. And that head is kind of rocking to get under the pubic bone. Once the head is under the pubic bone, I'm gonna switch diagrams now. Once the head is under the pubic bone, then you see the head stretching the perineum and then and then in between pushes the head doesn't go back up it's down and now you see this kind of maxed out vaginal opening and the tissue down here it's very similar to this tissue here 
is it's super stretched and super maxed. And this is um, like a band of muscle here. And what some providers will do if the baby is on the perineum and it looks like this tissue might tear or we're, we're concerned about the degree of tearing that might happen or the baby's heart rate is going down. Hey. Hey, she wants to ask you something. Okay, can you, one second. Okay. Um, if it looks like the... If the heart rate is going down or this tissue is blanching and getting really white, there are different reasons why a provider might cut an episiotomy. But then they're gonna cut that tissue to open up this space so the baby's head can deliver over that perineum. Episiotomies, are not standard of care anymore, certainly not in our region, in Southern California. I mean, I don't know any doctors that we work with or transfer to in the hospital that routinely cut episiotomies anymore. Um, I believe that there probably are providers out there that are still routinely cutting episiotomies and there's no um, data to support routine cutting of an episiotomy. Um, we certainly do not, as midwives out of hospital, we are in California, it is legal for us to cut an episiotomy if we have to, but it's very, very rare for a midwife to cut an episiotomy because we know that that tissue will stretch. So the question that somebody asked me was, um, what can we do to prevent tearing or prevent episiotomies? Is there anything we can do? So one, I first want to show you, and Kelly, let me know. This is a photo, it's kind of a, I don't know, I think that looks hand-drawn to me, of um, the musculature that we're talking about. Yeah. There, perfect. There you go. So you see that there are a variety of muscles all around. So the perineum is, we're looking at this perineal body is what we're looking at here. So what we're talking about when we cut. There are two ways to cut an episiotomy. There's midline and then there's medial lateral. And there's some uh, interesting data out there, but in our practice, if we were to cut, we would cut midline, not medial lateral, which is interesting because in the midwifery textbooks, we're taught medial lateral. And we have an obstetrician who's wonderful, who um, I watched him cut an episiotomy one time at a birth, and I was horrified because he cut it midline. And I was like, wait a minute, why did you do that? I thought we were always supposed to cut medial lateral. And he said, no, don't do that because of the damage through more musculature. I think at that point when you're cutting medial lateral, you can cut the, um, there's, I always have to look at the names of these muscles, but it's like the um, levator ani and those side muscles. Anyway, so if we were to cut, we would cut straight down because there's less musculature down in here. And, and, and really we're just looking at if, the only time I've ever cut one has been barely like a first degree, just snip that tissue. But more importantly, what can we do to protect the perineum to help keep it intact? The goal of a birth, and most women would, would agree, most people would agree that they would like their perineums intact with their delivery. So yet there are some, there's no evidence to support perineal massage prenatally that would, people say like, oh, it used to be like, get it starting at 36 weeks, you want someone to help you massage that perineal tissue, you wanna do that a couple times a week to soften that tissue. So many things going on this morning. Um, but there's no evidence to support that perineal massage decreases tearing in labor. What we do know that is quite effective is nutrition. Because remember, from the inside out, we always have to think about our tissue integrity from the inside out. People will talk about stretch marks in the same way. 
and they'll do all kinds of oils and potions on the outside of their belly to prevent stretch marks. But what we know is when we're ingesting good fats and extra collagen, so um, avocados and coconut and olives and olive oil and all those really good fats are really good for tissue integrity, especially for um, stretch marks, but also good for just in general tissue integrity. Hydration is really important. Lots of vitamin B and vitamin C, the bioflavonoids and the vitamin C, all of those really help with good tissue integrity so that when that tissue is being stretched, it is less likely to tear because the tissue fibers are strong. That's what's really important. Then in addition to that, there are techniques that will help decrease the risk of tearing when you're actually pushing and that head is starting to stretch that perineum. But where you wanna start most importantly is prenatally. And that is by doing really good fish oils are good. And like I said, coconut and olive oil and um, um, avocados and nuts and seeds, and then good dark green leafy vegetables and fruits, right? Things that will just help create good, strong tissue integrity. Smokers have more friable tissue, so their tissue is more likely to tear. People with poor diets or poor absorption, even like um, people that have true celiac disease that have a really hard time with absor absorption of nutrients, their tissue tends to be more uh, friable, so it's much easier to tear away. So nutrition is critical to good tissue integrity. Um, and that's overall for our bodies in general, right? So good, strong, healthy skin. You wanna start with your nutrition and hydration. And we always talk about in our practice, three liters of water a day is what we recommend drinking here in Southern California to keep the body hydrated. Really important. And maybe one liter a day is of electrolytes. That's part of your three liters, making sure you're getting those minerals in there so we know that you're absorbing all, that, all the, the water that you need to be absorbing. We also, for our um, non-vegan families, we have um, collagen, this powdered collagen that you can put in your water, in your tea, in some juice, in something, and that's extra collagen, which is extra good, strong for your tissue integrity and good, strong for your skin, right? So nutrition is critical to help keeping that perineum intact. The next thing is when you're pushing. Um, so, you know, the majority of people are having hospital births here in the United States. They're having hospital births. They're most likely on epidurals. Um, and so when they are pushing, they're putting their feet are up in either stirrups or foot pedals. And the bottom of the bed in the hospital is broken down. So your butt is scooched to the edge and your legs are up on top, you know, spread out like this. And often the, the nurses and the providers will pull your legs back and count one, two, three, four, right? They'll count to 10 when you're pushing. And so imagine that these are the, your legs and this is the perineum. So can you see when I'm showing you when these legs are really cranked open, you see how tight that muscle gets. But when we bring these knees a little bit closer in, it gives more room in this direction. So, in midwifery care, the midwifery model of care, if you're birthing out of hospital and you're not on a bed like that, you're generally, rarely do we have your legs super cranked back and pulled and do we count to 10. We, we trust that the mother's expulsion efforts will be appropriate 
and that you'll push when you have that pressure to push and we don't really need to count to 10 or force you to push when you're, push when you're not feeling it. And, um, and we help bring those legs in a little bit closer so that there's a little bit more room in that perineum. And heat, so if you're not birthing in water, heat externally, and they'll often do this in a hospital setting. I've seen, um, I've seen that certainly some of the OBs that we work with are wonderful, and they'll do, maybe they won't necessarily do hot compresses, but they'll do mineral oil or some kind of lubricant to help stretch that perineum when you're pushing. And the World Health Organization, they did a small little study on this, and I was just reading before we did this. I think of seven people, I think it was like this really, really minimal study, but they did show that um, massaging during pushing did decrease tearing. Now, what we want to avoid is getting in there for two, three hours and stretching and massaging and irritating that tissue too much. So we want to be really mindful if anyone is going in there. In our practice, we tend to be fairly hands-off and not do a lot of perineal stretching unless there's some significant need. But otherwise, we try to keep our hands off the perineum. We will apply hot compresses. So if you're birthing not in the water with us, we have an electric tea kettle that we keep going and we put some essential oils in it. Frankincense is great. Um, it's really good for tissue integrity. Rose oil, um, when you're pushing, is really good for tissue integrity. Ginger, so if you're um, at home or in an environment where you can just um, cut up some ginger and boil it in a little crock pot or a tea kettle. Or maybe if you're having a hospital delivery, you could even prepare a hot thermos like those hydro flasks, you know, they keep water really hot and put a bunch of ginger in there and bring it with you to your place of birth and ask when you're pushing that the care providers put that uh, ginger water and you could even bring some rose oil. Um, Snow Lotus is an essential oil company and they make this vaginal serum, this rose oil that is really, really super great and you could use that when you're pushing and you can bring that to your place of, of birth. Um, but ginger is great, frankincense is great, rose oil is great, olive oil, almond oil, coconut oil, all of those things are really great for when you're pushing. Once that perineum starts to stretch and the head is staying there, right? It's not when you see the head and it goes back up behind the pubic bone. It's when the head stays below the pubic bone. Now that tissue is really stretching. So now you want to slow down your pushing. What you want to avoid if you're unmedicated it's called the ring of fire, the ring of fire, the rim of fire, you hear different words, but it's this tissue is stretched to its max, right? So everybody thinks they're tearing at this point and the tissue is very, very stretched out. Doesn't mean you're tearing when it burns, just everybody's tissue burns because it's so stretched out. It's stretching and it goes back, by the way. It goes <laughs> back, it doesn't stay gaping and open, I promise you, um, for the majority of people. Um, so it gets burny, 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 burny. That's when you want to apply heat. You want to apply some oil. Um, and even what we'll say to the mothers, put your hands where it's burning because the laboring person will know because they feel it in their body and they'll hold the tissue where it's burning. Because sometimes, okay, this is um, the labia, right? And this is your urethra. This is where you pee from. This is your clitoris is up here. And, and sometimes it really burns because this also stretches on the top. It doesn't stretch up because there's no muscle up there. It's just the skinny, thin tissue here. 
So women will, people will often just hold the top there at the top of the per, um, of the labia, periurethral by the clitoris and support it with their fingers when they're pushing because it feels better because they can feel it burning. But then at the bottom, if the care provider wants to just put some heat um, and oil and then you want to ease your pushing and hopefully your care provider will guide you with your pushing to say, slow down, slow down, blow, 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 little push, little push, little push, and then you ease the head over the perineum. But women sometimes get um, super excited because they feel the burning and they don't like the burning and they want to get through it and they're just like, I don't care if I tear, I'm just getting this baby out. And they kind of blast the baby over the perineum. Now, even with a big forceful push over the perineum without giving it time to stretch doesn't necessarily mean you're going to tear. So um, it's amazing. And the size of your baby does not always mean you're going to tear. Because some women can have, like, we think, oh my gosh, that perineum is totally going to go. It's totally going to go. This is a big old baby. And then when we look postpartum, like after they deliver and we look and there's no tearing. So we never really know who is going to tear. So any doctor that says, well, I could tell already. I mean, sure, there are some situations where the tissue on the perineum gets like blanched out and it's really white. We know that that perineum is gonna go. But if the tissue um, looks doesn't look all blanched out and white and thinned out, it may not tear. And we do know that the studies show that tearing is in general easier to recover from than cutting because the tissue will tear only as much as it needs to tear. And the theory is that if we cut that tissue, and if the provider who cuts the tissue isn't diligent to protect where they cut, potentially the cut can then tear to a much worse degree than if it were to just tear naturally. And the theory is like if you take a piece of fabric where the seam is, and I cut this seam, once I cut it and I get those tissues, the, the fibers already torn, it's much easier for me to tear the rest of it, right? But then one of our wonderful doctors says, well, not necessarily. If you cut it and you give proper protection, it won't necessarily tear any more than what you intended the cut to be. I personally have witnessed some horrific situations. I've seen providers cut and then intentionally tear. And there are many stories all over about abuse in pushing and that's a whole other topic about abuse. But we, in our practice, we certainly try to keep tissue integrity and we, we never cut an episiotomy unless it is absolutely necessary. This baby's heart rate is down and we feel very necessary, we gotta get the baby out or that tissue is completely blanched through the whole perineum and we're concerned about a fourth degree, um, then we might cut. But in general, it's if the heart rate is going down. So things that the laboring person can do proactively is nutrition, hydration, good fats, lots of dark green leafy vegetables, lots of micronutrients, um, not necessarily massage prenatally starting at 36 weeks, there's no evidence to support that, um, but heat during pushing, ginger, frankincense, rose oil, olive oil, coconut oil, any kind of lubricant um, is really helpful during the pushing part, compresses, slowing down your pushing, not cranking your legs so crazy stretched apart, slowing the baby's head over the perineum when it comes, comes time for that. Um, those are all things that you can do to be proactive to keep that perineum intact. And then sometimes you tear, and tearing 
again, the studies show it is easier to heal from than cutting. Some providers prefer cutting because it's easier for the provider to suture the cut versus as midwives, we put a tear back. You know, it takes us longer because we want to put the tissue back to, to where it was, right? And we're very intentional about not doing a lot of um, throws, right? So when we're sewing a perineum, we want to do the least amount of interruption to the capillary bed. So we want to be really intentional as midwives when we do a repair. And yes, midwives in out-of-hospital settings in the state of California can suture. So we can do first degrees and second degrees. Um, we cannot do fourth degrees. That's a surgical procedure. And I, th I think it's probably in our law that we can't do third degrees. Um, you can tell we rarely have tears that need to even be repaired in our practice because not all first degrees even need to be repaired. Because remember, if after the birth, if the tissue proximates and there's no muscle tearing involved and it's just superficial tissue first degree and the tissue comes together, we don't need to sew it because the point of suturing, of sewing and stitching is to hold the tissue together that wouldn't otherwise come together, right? But if without any suturing material, the tissue comes together, then we want to leave it alone because we still we don't want to disrupt the capillary bed with sutures, right? When when not necessary. So tearing in and of itself does not need does not mean you need to be repaired. But once the muscles get involved, then um, there are certain skill levels on how to repair that. But certainly in an out-of-hospital setting in California, we would numb you. We have lidocaine, so we numb you. We have different suture materials, and we can sew and do all of that stuff here at our birth center, and every midwife in the state of California can do the same. Um, so I hope that answers your questions about how do we keep, how do we help keep the perineum intact? The difference between tearing and an episiotomy Sometimes episiotomies are necessary. You do want to talk to your care provider ahead of time about what their episiotomy rate is, when would they cut an episiotomy, and how can they help you keep your, your, your perineum intact. Those that are birthing in a hospital setting, you can bring your own hot water with ginger in it and maybe some frankincense and lavender in there and you can have it prepared. You could um, bring your own little rose oil or almond oil and I believe most care providers in a hospital setting would be willing to do that for you. I, I know that in a hospital setting, they no one is out to get you. People really want you to have a positive birth experience no matter where you're birthing. So no one is intentionally trying to hurt you. And so if you bring in a respectful way, bring some items that you feel will help you in your birth, I'm sure they will be well, well received. I'd like to believe that they would be well received. Certainly in our environment, we have all of those things for you. And um, we have, I think we did a statistic in 2018, I think of, we did like 120 births or so, and our, our tear rate was only like less than 20% actually. And not all of those even needed to be repaired. We had a really low tearing rate. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And again, it goes back to nutrition because we're doing so much education about nutrition throughout the prenatal care. So those are ways that you can be proactive. So if you have any questions or concerns or you wanna participate in this conversation, please do so below. What did you do to help? What kind of conversations did you have with your care provider? Having a doula in a hospital birth setting or in any kind of setting to help remind you to slow down your pushing, awesome. Doulas are awesome when, when it comes to that pushing thing and good positions to push in and how to protect the perineum. 
Certainly midwifery cares is great for that as well. Um, this might be uh, transcribed into our podcast, so you can also go check it out on iTunes and all those other places. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you joining us every Monday, and I hope that you find these useful. Thanks again. See you next week. Thank you for listening to our episode today. If you want to learn more about the SCV Birth Center and our other resources, be sure to check out our website at scvbirthcenter.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with a friend and give us a five-star review on iTunes. Your kind words and sharing means the world to us.